Thank you so much. Please be seated. Today's scripture text comes from Psalms. <coughs> Psalm 133, verse 1. Hear now the inspired words of God. <clears throat> How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. DG Kevin says, look, it says palm. <laughs> but it's up there, right? It's up there. Bravo. Imperfect people. That's us. I want to tell you sometimes in an unexpected way you get a glimpse of God. Sometimes, at least for me, when I'm going about my everyday life, God whispers at me, and if I don't get it, then, then the volume increases. Has that ever happened to you? Well, such a day was the day that I went down to meet with the campus minister at the Wesley Foundation, which is the, the group of the community of Methodist students at, uni at the University of Texas. So it's college ministry. And I was going down to meet with Rusty, the campus minister, and then I was going to spend the day with him and then speak at Overflow that evening, which is their worship service. So I'm down there, I'm parking in the parking garage. I'm always a little out of sorts when I'm down there, making sure I go the right direction and the right way. And I was glad to have the car parked and be walking across campus towards the temporary building that they're in. Because what's happening is the, the land that the Wesley Foundation has is very valuable. They have this old ramshackle building there. It's been knocked down. And there's a company building a brand new high-rise in that, in that same space. And they're going to give the Wesley Foundation the bottom two floors. And then they're going to pay them like $150,000 a year to rent the land for the rest of like 99 years. So it's a very exciting future. And that means that they're in a temporary space because their building has been knocked down. So I'm trying to find the new temporary space. And as I'm walking the direction I think is right, I see the campus minister, Rusty, coming across campus from the opposite direction. Now, it was 100 degrees that day, and Rusty is normally unruffled. He looks, he looks nice. He's a campus minister, but he looks nice. This day, he was drenched in sweat. It's, it had stained his clothing, okay? I think it was staining his waistband. It was bad, okay? He was disgusting. When I saw him, I greeted him warmly, but I did not hug him. <laughs> because the reason that Rusty was sweating so profusely is that he and this college student were trying to carry this giant, old, double-hung window. You know what those are? Old, yucky, dirty, double-hung window. They're carrying it, if I breathe too heavily, I'm going to start coughing, across campus, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, can I help you? And they said, no, they've got it. So they continue to huff and puff, and we, can, we turn the corner together, and we walk several more blocks in that August sun with this double-hung window. And Russ, I said, Rusty, why are you carrying this window? He said, well, it's from the old building, and one of our students wants to put it in their home when they one day have a home. Oh, and I thought in that moment I caught a glimpse of God, but it was like it was out of the corner of my eye, and I couldn't be sure. So I let it percolate a little bit, 
And I went and sat down with Rusty, and he's out of breath, and he said, as soon as I catch my breath, I'll show you around, but I have to have some water. So he just collapses. All the students are coming in and talking to us, and finally, he catches his breath, and we start walking through the space. And this is a temporary space that the construction company has just built out for them for these two years. So there's brand new paint on the walls, and there's these bright colors. But what the students keep showing me is they say, oh, Pastor Laura, look at these windows right here. Look at, these are from our old building. Do you remember these windows? Oh, sure, I remember those windows. And then they'll say, look at this door, all the doors to the office. Do you remember these doors? These were the doors in the old building. Do you remember those doors? Yeah, sure, I remember your doors. Those were really remarkable, like unforgettable doors. So I'm touching these things that, honestly, they're rather plain. And as I'm running my fingers across them, I'm hearing again the voice of God. There's, there's something within these old items that have been saved, but I don't quite have it. So that evening, I'm with the students before worship, and we're talking about the future. We're talking about the new building and the new space, and, and they keep drawing the conversation back to the old place, to this old building. Oh, but remember the old building, they say. Yeah, I do remember the old building. And then one of them, now the old building has been bulldozed by this point. I think we have, a, in a minute, a picture of that. But at this point, one of the students says, you know, I still have the key to that building. She pulls it out of her pocket. And another one has it on a lanyard around their neck. And, and they say, well, here it is. You know, right, right in with the car key and the student ID around their neck. I kept mine too. And we went around the circle, and one by one, everybody's digging in a pocket, pulling out a key. A key to a door that's gone, a key that doesn't have any purpose anymore, none of us would think. And these students are saying, they hold them in their hands and they put them back around their necks or in pockets. They say, I'm never, ever getting rid of this. And I knew I saw God in those keys. I knew where it was now, in the door, in the double-hung window. And it was in the why why hold on to a key that doesn't work anymore? Why drag a double-hung door across campus? Why put it in your home when you get one? Why? Well, you might say, well, they're, the way they're talking about the building, it was amazing. No. If you're here, Wesley Foundation, I'm sorry to tell you that no. I went to that building. It was an old run-down, ramshackle building. It had two, literally two parking spaces. That was it. You had to, you know, fend for yourself, and when you got in the building, every one of those beloved double-hung windows was painted shut. They did not work. You could not get fresh air, and more's the pity, because it was always hot in the summer, and it was always cold in the winter, so you could never change the temperature. Um, the Wesley building was infested by rats, Maybe they, they overlooked that, but you could see evidence of the rats. And sometimes they would tell me a dead rat would be found. So it was like a little surprise, Easter egg. Oh, okay. The bathroom on the bottom floor, I remember trying to use the bathroom one day, and everyone said, no, 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 Pastor Laura. Not that one. 
okay. There was only one other bathroom, and you had to walk up a couple flights of stairs and go somewhere else, but I don't know, not that bathroom. And yet, here are the students holding on to keys to this old rundown building. And it wasn't because of the building, you guys. They held on to the keys and the doors and the windows because of the people that they shared that space with. That those memories of those people there and that community were so strong and so life-changing that for the rest of their life, when they hold that key, they'll remember that community. That's the power of a true, real, sometimes messy community. I wonder if you have things like that that you hold on to, that remind you of the people that have shaped you, the people who have helped you grow in your faith. I have one such thing. Um, I have several, actually. I'm quite sentimental. But I have this little sheep tag. Um, many of you have this, too. In fact, after the service, I, I had three or five separate people say, I have my sheep tag that you gave me. Um, the first time I preached a sermon that used a sheep tag was in San Angelo. San Angelo was known for years as the sheep ranching capital of the world. And so when, we, when I talked to them about how Jesus looked for lost sheep, we all got a sheep tag and put it on our key ring. And I have kept this one for what, how many years now? 13 years now, I guess. Um, 13 or 14 years maybe now that it's 18 I've had this, and every time I see it, um, I think about my community there. I think about those good people out in the West Texas desert and the way that they loved me and being a young pastor there. And this little sheep tag, they're not meant to last for 14 years or whatever. Um, it, it got brittle last year, and I was afraid it would break off. So I took it off of my keychain and I put it in my desk so that every time I open it, I, I see. Because it reminds me of my community. And I, the month that I took it off, I had somebody from San Angelo email me and say, hey, Pastor Laura, I don't know if you remember those sheep tags. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. He said, um, mine just broke off. You know, after all these years, he said, but I want you to know we love you and we still remember you. Old sheep tags and keys and doors, windows. They speak to us of places where community was thick, where we were loved, where we grew towards God. And friends, in this society, there's nothing we need more than a good community because society tells us that we need to do it all on our own. And it doesn't always shout that at us, but everything we get bombarding us is that we need to be perfect all the time. Better than the people around us. Better at work. Better at raising a family. Better at having a marriage. Better at being a daughter or a son. Uh, better excelling. You know, put the best that you have on social media and don't show the bad parts. And when Jim and the band was singing, we've become a talent show. Oh my gosh, isn't the world always asking us to dance, to perform, to show what we've got and measure us against someone else? 
And then we hear that whisper of God saying, that, that's not how I created you. God did not create us to be alone, to perform, to do it on our own. God created us to need each other, to thrive in a community. And so from the very beginning in creation, God looks at the one man and says, this is not good. In all of creation, everything God sees is good. He says it over and over again. And God looks at the man and says, okay, it's not good that he's alone. He needs somebody. When Jesus comes, when our Savior finally arrives, um, certainly, you guys, Jesus could have traveled everywhere he went and healed everyone he healed and taught and died to save us and risen again all on his own. But the first thing that he does when he begins his ministry is to find some fishermen and a tax collector and a zealot and some other people to form a community so that together they're walking with him. They're seeing him heal and teach, restore, forgive. They're with him. Jesus wanted a community. If Jesus wanted a community, then it's okay if we want one too. When Jesus looks at, he looks out over the Sea of Galilee and the area, it would have been much like looking out like this. He, he says, there is so much work to be done. He says, the harvest is plentiful, right? There's so much need, but I have so few workers. And yet, when he takes the disciples and he sends them out, he doesn't say, look, we got to cover the ground, so one by one, we're going to go to these different places and we'll cover more ground. He sends his disciples out in pairs with a friend, that little community of two people, and then add in the Holy Spirit and and they go, and, and suddenly, not only are they stronger because they have a friend, but their message is stronger. Paul knows this. Um, certainly, Paul had in his capacity, if we were going to nominate somebody who could have gone on missionary journeys and written everything he wrote on his own, it would be Paul. But Paul knew God didn't create him or anyone else like that. And so when he goes on missionary journeys, he's always saying, would you come with me? Just grabbing one or two people to come with him. When he's in prison, he knows his spirit suffers when there's nobody there. So he says, please, communities that I've been a part of, will you send someone to me? God created us for each other to thrive as a community. And I have the best news for you, the best. Out of all the communities that I have ever been a part of or served, this community is the most loving, the most wonderful, the most generous. This is the community everybody hopes and prays that they could be a part of is the community at Bee Creek. If they only knew it existed, and it exists, it's our church. It's ours. And so you, the good news is you have access to the most vibrant, loving, wonderful community I've ever seen.
right now you have access to it. And then all that's left for us is, okay, well, I'm going to jump in and I'm, I'm going to let it shape me and transform me and grow me so that I'll hold on to some key or some sheep tag or something forever because it reminds me of how my life was changed. And I asked those students, you know, what is it about the place? And one of them said, well, it's just that when I was so alone at college and I felt so unable to do all of the, everything that was ahead of me, I came to this place. And people treated me like I was a family already. And another said, when I couldn't stay at my dorm room, Rusty gave me a key and some other students got me some sheets and I could sleep on a couch at the Wesley. And another one said, when somebody raped me, I couldn't tell anybody, and finally I was able to tell my small group at the Wesley, and they've been praying for me. And I'm stronger now, and I'm not as afraid, and the darkness is being pushed back. And over and over again, they would tell stories about how being part of a beautiful community had transformed them. And so we stand at the edge of this new year, and we have this beautiful community, and so I have two dreams, two goals, two visions for this year that have been placed in me from months and months ago. I knew this is going to be the year we do these two things. And the first thing is, I want you to have a taste of that community that Jesus created with 12 people. You know, this is a beautiful community, but it's hard to be really close with 150 people. But when you, when you get a smaller group, then the transformative power of God is multiplied. I'll tell you, the small groups that Kevin and I have been a part of, we hold on to those memories. We cherish them. And I know many of y'all are in a group. You're in a Bible study, or you're in an Emmaus group, or you're in a small group study, or you're serving together. But over half of you in the congregation, you don't have it yet. I can't let that go on. I want you to have that. And so Pastor DG is working on creating life groups where we can just read the scripture together and, and pray together and enjoy life together. And so maybe this year as you're looking forward, you say, man, this is my community. I'm ready. I'm ready to have that experience that Jesus models. I'm ready to be transformed in a deeper way. That's my, that's my dream. One of them. The second one is this, is that community not only can transform us, and we're here. So I have hope that it will, and it is. But when we are together, we are able to do what none of us could have done on our own. I mean, just think about that letter. We are able to help 12 families get back in their homes together. That's what we say is we'll change the world together. And when we joined this church, each of us individually stood here and made promises to God. We promised five things, to pray, to worship, to give, to serve, and to share our story. And three of those things, I tell you, that's an hour each on three things. That's praying is an hour a week. Worship is an hour, and serving is an hour. And when one of us, one of us, 
praise for an hour a week for our church, for our community, that changes a life that can transform a community. Just one of us doing that. When one of us gives an hour, just one hour every week, a life can change. Now, think about it. When God has a community of 524 people who have made that same promise, where everyone is praying for their community and for their church and for the people who are sick for an hour, and everyone is coming to have their hearts renewed in worship one time a week, and everyone is out serving for one hour, just one hour, it's not one life that changes It's the community that changes around us. Because if you add up 524 people with one hour a week, that is the equivalent Bee Creek of every week putting 13 full-time outreach staff into the community. That's what we do together. And I have dreams of that. I have dreams of what, what is yet to come. You've heard me talk about how... We heard that kids at Spicewood Elementary don't have running water in their homes. How can that be in our community? How can Bee Creek possibly allow that to continue now that we know? And I don't know how we're going to fix it, but I know that we're called to do something. And together we will. And I said this in the 930 service without any idea of how we do that. And a guy came up to me and said, I'll take the lead. So guys, we got a leader already. We're just going to need hands and feet and boots on the ground to begin to restore, to begin to renew that and so many other areas. There's people who need food. There's going to be a natural disaster. Already we have the mudslides and the wildfires. There's going to be something right here or close by where we need to go and bring hope. There's going to be homes to be rebuilt in San Antonio and orphans in Guatemala. None of us could do any of that on our own. But together... We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And I don't know exactly how yet, but I know kind of how. We'll do it together. Each one of us will bring the gifts that we have and we'll do it together. Together. God calls us together. God grows us together. And God helps us change the world together. That is the power of our community, of a community of faith. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Bee Creek, for every person who is here, who has been here in worship at 930 and at 8.15, who worships with us and no walls. Thank you for this community. Help us, Lord, each of us, to reap the benefits of community, to to use this community so that we can grow more in love with you, closer to who you desire us to be, and, and be stronger, more alive at the end of this year. 
And also help us, Lord, as we look out and we think about the strength that we have here. Help us, help us bring water to kids who need it. We don't know the way yet, but we pray that you'd show us the way. Help us to get food to people who need it. Help us for the things we haven't even seen yet. Be with us so that the world can change to be more like your kingdom. Because we're telling you that you not only have each one of us, you have us together as a community and a church. Amen.